He questions God about the violence that he is seeing. I'm talking about a prophet named Habakkuk, the embracer. This is very interesting. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembert. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. Thank you for dropping by and being a part of it. I invite you to stay here as we study the book of Habakkuk, the embracer. Uh, this uh, is going to be something we're going to look at in a couple minutes' time, so stay there. Corey and Ryan are here. Corey? I am also taking a look at Habakkuk today. Ryan? Well, today I'm going to look at a possible connection between Habakkuk 3 and Isaiah 63. A lot of people are wondering, what are you guys talking about? We're talking about the prophet Habakkuk or Habakkuk. It's just a very interesting time. Janice? Yes, hymn of faith today. All right, so take your Bible guide out if you don't have one. Stay there because we're going to tell you how you can get one. Let's open up the Bible and let's look at the Word of God and listen to what He says to us right now. Habakkuk 1, 1 through 14. The burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? Even cry out to you violence and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? For plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contention arises. Therefore the law is powerless and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore perverse judgment proceeds. Look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded. For I will work a work in your days which you would not believe though it were told you. For indeed I am raising up the Chaldeans, a bitter and hasty nation, which marches through the breadth of the earth to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity proceed from themselves. Their horses also are swifter than leopards and more fierce than evening wolves. Their chargers charge ahead, their cavalry comes from afar. They fly as the eagle that hastens to eat. They all come for violence. Their faces are set like the east wind. They gather captives like sand. They scoff at kings, and princes are scorned by them. They deride every stronghold, for they heap up earthen mounds and seize it. Then his mind changes and he transgresses. He commits offense, ascribing this power to his God. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We shall not die. O Lord, you have appointed them for judgment. O Rock, you have marked them for correction. You are of purer eyes than to behold evil and cannot look on wickedness. Why do you look on those who deal treacherously and hold your tongue when the wicked devours a person more righteous than he? Why do you make men like fish of the sea, like creeping things that have no ruler over them? Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. 
Habakkuk is an interesting prophet today as we continue to work through the minor prophets, minor in terms of size, but not minor in terms of message. Now, Habakkuk, whose name is thought to mean to embrace, deals with the problem of understanding the ways of God. He actually critically questions God on behalf of the people. He was upset so much that evil was seen all around him. Well, the book begins with hearing Habakkuk cry out to God in prayer. He says, O Lord, how long shall I cry? And you will not hear me, even cry out to you violence, and you will not save. Habakkuk 1.1. But you know, God answers and says to him, Look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded. For I will work a work in the days and your days which you shall not believe, though it were told to you. Habakkuk 1, verse 5. Well, Habakkuk had no response except to embrace the Lord and live by his faith because he understood that it is God who is the one who saves us and not man. God saves us and not man. This is truly remarkable as a passage of Scripture. So let's direct our hearts to God and hear what the Holy Spirit wants us to know. What does the Holy Spirit desire us to know by reading his word today, by understanding what he's saying, by listening to him? And that's what we need to do. Take your Bible guide and turn to that. If you don't have a Bible guide, you can call us or write to us or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com, BibleDiscoveryTV.com and Click on the Bible guide. It takes you to a place where you can make donations. I want to say thank you so much for your donations. They keep us alive, keep us broadcasting here every day. And thank you so much. But then it takes you to a place where you can download it exactly how it's printed. So you can have the guide just exactly like we do. And it's printed like it is. So that's how you can do it. Let's pray. Father, Today, we ask that you would help us to hear what you're saying. We need to listen carefully to you. We need to understand what you talk to us about. So help us, O God, as we take our questions and fire them at you. But Lord, help us to listen to what you've talked to us and said to us back. Thank you, Lord. And we appreciate that word that you've given to us, your word in Jesus' wonderful name. And we said together, amen, amen. Now, Habakkuk 1, verses 1 through 4 is fascinating. Let's read it carefully. The burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw, O Lord, how long shall I cry, and you will not hear? Even cry out to you, violence, and you do not save? Why do you show me iniquity? And cause me to see trouble. For plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contention arises. Therefore the law is powerless. And justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore perverse judgment proceeds. Now I want you to understand. Very important. Habakkuk questions God about all the violence and evil around him. You see, sometimes we feel that if evil has the upper hand, we should come to God in prayer. Well, we should always come to God in prayer. Doesn't it feel like evil is just taking its toll and just doing a number out there? 
We like Habakkuk could say, Lord, why is there evil coming? Why? Or we could say, oh, Lord Jesus, forgive us of our sins and help us, oh God. Help us, oh God. Holy Spirit, come down. Your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, as Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew 6. Very important that we hear this. Now, what does the Lord say? Well, Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5. Look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded, for I will work a work in your days, which you would not believe, though it were told to you. For indeed, I am raising up the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, a bitter and hasty nation, which marches through the breadth of the earth to possess a dwelling place that are not theirs. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity proceed from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards and more fierce than the evening wolves. Their chargers charge ahead. Their cavalry comes from afar and they fly as an eagle and it hastens to eat. They all come for violence. Their faces are set like the east wind. They gather captives like the sand. They scoff at kings and princes are scorned by them. They deride every stronghold for they heap, they heap up the earthen mounds and seize it. Then his mind changes and he transgresses. He commits offense, ascribing this power to his God. Wow. Let me tell you something. God will use the evil Babylonians to deal with the evil sins of Judah. Remember that sin is evil and will destroy itself. Sin is evil. Oh, I want to tell you something. They won't get away with it. They won't. Because the Bible tells us that God is the judger of sin. So anybody who's doing evil, well, they won't get away with it. They've got to deal with their sin. The best way to deal with it is come to Jesus Christ and ask forgiveness for it. God will turn your life around. But if you don't, I got news for you. Revelation 19 tells you that God's going to deal with it. Nothing is lost. God sees everything. Very interesting. Let's go back to the scripture and read some more. Habakkuk 1, 12 to 14. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We shall not die, O Lord you have appointed them for judgment, O rock. You have marked them for correction. You are of purer eyes than to behold evil and cannot look on wickedness. Why do you look on those who deal treacherously and hold their tongue when the wicked devours a person more righteous than he? Why do you make men like fish of the sea, like creeping things that have no ruler over them? You know, I love Habakkuk because he always brings us back to the human thinking. He, he acknowledges the judgment, but he brings us back. Habakkuk says that it seems there is no value of life in the age of sin. Respect for life is one of the fundamentals to go in sin culture. Respect for life is one of the fundamental values that is wiped away in a culture of sin. Father, 
We pray that you would forgive our culture of sin. We are foolish to be sinful. Help us, Lord. And there are people who are not turning to you, but there are people who are turning to you right now. And I pray, Lord, that you would show them your way and teach them your path. Help all the Christians as well to turn from sin. Help us all, Lord, in Jesus' name. And we said together, amen. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When you clap and when you get excited, you are celebrating life. Do you understand that? Jesus Christ gave us life. But he promised that the Holy Spirit would be sent. All right, so today, as we are reading through the Old Testament prophets, we've landed at the book of Habakkuk and the prophet Habakkuk. So today, you and I are going to be taking a look at some of the history of this book, as well as doing a bit of a profile on Habakkuk himself, what we know, what we don't know, and even adding in maybe some Jewish tradition as well. So uh, take a look at this and let's see what we can learn. The Old Testament book of Habakkuk records the visions of Habakkuk the prophet. Habakkuk himself did not record the time of his prophecies or which king was reigning in Judah when he prophesied. But thankfully, it's not too difficult to discern based on historical analysis. Historians and theologians put Habakkuk into one of two reigns, either that of Josiah or early in the reign of Jehoiakim. This is based on Habakkuk's prophecy of an imminent Babylonian invasion that began in 605 BC and continued for years, ending in the eventual destruction of the temple in 586 BC. Based on Habakkuk's description of the evil practices going on in Judah and Jerusalem, dating him to late in the reign of King Josiah or early in the reign of King Jehoiakim seems most probable. This would make Habakkuk a contemporary of the prophets Zephaniah and Jeremiah, and perhaps Ezekiel and Daniel. The book of Habakkuk is unique in structure and content. The first two chapters record Habakkuk's complaints against God and then God's replies to him. Habakkuk's complaints no doubt echo the heart cries of many. First, why do you allow evil, violence, and injustice to go unchecked among your covenant people? And in response to God's answer that he was bringing the Babylonians to execute judgment, Habakkuk then asks how God could use people guilty of greater evil to bring judgment on a people who were less evil. The third chapter of Habakkuk records a psalm or hymn of praise written by Habakkuk, likely for use in the temple. Along with the three chapters of Habakkuk, there are also extra-biblical traditions about him. In the apocryphal chapters of Daniel, called Bell and the Dragon, Daniel is thrown into the lion's den for a second and longer time. But this time, an angel goes to Judah and finds Habakkuk cooking a meal for his servants. The angel transports him and the meal to Daniel in the den. Habakkuk presents the meal and is transported back home. These extra chapters of Daniel are not included in the Hebrew Bible or in Protestant Christian Bibles, but are included by Roman Catholic and Orthodox Bible translations. 
A portion of the book of Habakkuk was also found among the Dead Sea Scrolls. Dating to the mid-first century BC, it's a commentary on Habakkuk that includes Habakkuk chapters 1 and 2 with a line-by-line commentary. Habakkuk chapter 3 is not included, likely because it was seen as its own work as a psalm, apart from the visionary work of chapters 1 and 2. This Habakkuk scroll has revealed the way that the Essene community understood and used the scripture. For them, Habakkuk was an ancient code given by God that only their leader was given the cipher for. Only their teacher of righteousness could expound the true meaning of biblical prophecy. For them, Habakkuk was directly applicable to their own time. So one of the things that really helps me as I'm reading through these prophetic books is to have an idea of when someone was alive, when Habakkuk was alive and prophesying. And again, just to bring it back around, he was probably a contemporary of Jeremiah and Zephaniah, overlapping a little bit with Ezekiel and Daniel as well. So for me, that just helps give me a backbone to these prophets so that I know where they're coming from, at least. Very interesting. Um, and as we study these prophets, again, I would say people need to take a listen and uh, really think about it because we don't have time to go through them all like we did Isaiah and Ezekiel. But nevertheless, still very, very good. Okay. Ryan. Okay, so as I mentioned off the top of the program, today I'm going to be looking at a possible connection between Habakkuk 3 and Isaiah 63. And it seems that these two chapters are describing the same scene when Christ will return to judge the earth. And Habakkuk, seeing the future, says, beginning in chapter 3, verse 3, that God came from Teman to judge the nations. And Teman is a place within Edom. And as I documented on last Wednesday's program, Edom was founded by Jacob's brother Esau. But now if we flip back to Isaiah 63, Isaiah is also describing the second coming of Christ. And starting in the very first verse, he also sees the Messiah coming from Edom to judge the nations. So it seems that both Habakkuk and Isaiah are describing Jesus Christ's second coming. And this context is really important for what I'm going to talk about today. Because in Isaiah 63, verses 7 through 10, a mysterious figure shows up a figure referred to by Isaiah as the angel of his presence, that is, the angel of Yahweh's presence. But the question is, who is this figure? Well, remember that the context of Isaiah 63 is the return of Jesus Christ, which Habakkuk also seems to confirm. Check it out. Hi guys, I'm Ryan Hembry, and today I want to talk about the Trinity of God, because a lot of people claim that there's no biblical evidence for it. Now, in reality, there are several passages in both the Old and New Testament that support God's triune nature. And we're just going to look at one of those today, but a very significant one. So grab your Bible and let's go. Okay, so the Trinity. Well, all three members of the Godhead, namely God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, show up at different times and in different places throughout Scripture. In Isaiah 63, they seem to appear all together. Beginning in verse 7, Isaiah says, I will mention the loving kindness of the Lord and the praises of the Lord according to all that the Lord has bestowed on us, and the great goodness toward the house of Israel, which he has bestowed on them according to his mercies, according to the multitude of his loving kindnesses. For he said, Surely they are my people children who will not lie. So he became their savior. In all their affliction he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity he redeemed them. 
and he bore them and carried them all the days of old. But they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. So he turned himself against them as an enemy, and he fought against them. Now in these verses, there are three distinct manifestations of God. Verse 7 mentions the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, indicating that this is Yahweh, or God the Father. And verse 10 mentions God's Holy Spirit. But in between these verses, we read about another manifestation, the angel of his presence. That is, the angel of Yahweh's presence. Now, while some Bible scholars equate this angel with the Holy Spirit, others see this as a clear reference to God the Son, because it is a very unique title. As George W. Knight explains, although angels are mentioned often throughout the Bible, this is the only place where the phrase angel of his presence occurs. This is probably a reference to Jesus Christ in his pre-earthly existence. There is no doubt that Jesus existed with God in his pre-incarnate state long before he was born into the world. So he certainly could have served as God's agent of redemption with his people in the days before his earthly ministry. He goes on to say, this name of Jesus may explain the references to the mysterious angel of the Lord in the Old Testament. This special agent was sent by God to communicate his message and to assure selected individuals of his presence. This messenger was clearly not the typical angel, but neither was he God the Father. The best explanation is that this special messenger, the angel of his presence, was none other than Jesus Christ. Now, this view is actually further supported by the larger context of Isaiah 63, which is about the coming of the one who comes from Edom with blood-stained garments, aka the Messiah. Therefore, Isaiah refers to all three persons of the Godhead in this single passage. So based on the context of this chapter and other scriptural references like Habakkuk 3, it looks like the angel of Yahweh's presence is none other than God the Son, Jesus Christ which means that in this single Isaiah passage, we have all three members of the Godhead, God the Father in verse 7, God the Holy Spirit in verse 10, and right in the middle in verse 9, the angel of his presence, aka God the Son, Jesus Christ. And this is very significant because many claim that there's no evidence for the Trinity of God in the Old Testament. And this is just one example that proves otherwise. Now that said, if you want to watch this video again or see my other videos, then you can head on over to my YouTube channel, which is just my name, Ryan Henry. And you know, the benefit to going to my channel is that there are no time restrictions. So a lot of the videos are a lot longer than what you're seeing here on the program. I think it's important to remember that the, the Trinity <clears throat> or the, the three parts of God are also in the first chapter of Genesis. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's something we can talk about on another day. So, but that's, that's, it's really, that was good, Ryan. Janice? This book of Habakkuk, now you say Habakkuk, I say Habakkuk, like tomato, tomato, both are right. But I find it really interesting because as this prophet, Haggai, we don't have God speaking through Haggai to the people. We have Haggai speaking to God for himself and for the people. And we see this dialogue back and forth with God responding. And I love after um, Habakkuk's second question to the Lord, uh, and it starts at chapter two saying, I will stand my watch. This is Habakkuk. After he's asked God the question, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he, God, will say to me and what I will answer 
when I am corrected. He's already got himself set and his heart ready to hear what God is, is going to say back to him. And interestingly, when we get to verse four of chapter two, God's response, there's a really great verse here. And it says, verse four, this is God's part of God's response. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. And this is what we see in the life of Habakkuk. Uh, Whatever would come his way, he would trust in God, finding his strength and foundation through his faith in God. And we see a beautiful hymn of faith in the last chapter, that's Habakkuk chapter three, starting at verse 17. It starts off as a prayer, the prophet's prayer, but ends with this beautiful hymn of faith. Listen to what uh, Habakkuk pens for us in his book. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. Sounds pretty desperate there, doesn't it? He continues, verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on my high hills. And he ends it to the chief musician with my stringed instruments. What a beautiful way, Rod, that Habakkuk ends this book, this questioning of God. You know, it starts off, uh, you know, Oh Lord, how long shall I cry? And you will not hear, even cry out to you violence, and you will not save. And he goes on and on. And to end this book, standing in the strength and the trust in his God, that even in these times, he will still rejoice. We hear it in Job, that he will still rejoice in the land of the living. We hear it in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they will bow to the statue. um, and, And they say, you know, even if God does not rescue us, we still won't bow because we believe and stand in that trust of God. What a wonderful, wonderful book. You know, we we have to focus on the idea that we live in a culture of sin. And Father, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would forgive us for our sin. Our leaders, forgive us for allowing sin to have its rule. Help us, O God, to turn our ways towards you. Forgive us of our sin. We're going to turn our ways back to you, Lord. Help us to do that today in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.